Back in on Canuck Central, Satyar Shah with Jamie Dodd. And this hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family BC-owned company helping local business since 1892. Ah, you know what? Let's not waste too much time because every single minute and second of the mailbag is valuable. Let's roll right. right into the Canuck Central Friday mailbag. Hit the music. Fast Eddie. Fast Eddie Gregory. Killing it on there the board. Loving having him part of the show. What's happening, Eddie? You good? I'm good, thank you. Good. Now, when it comes to the Friday mailbag, yes. there's always a number of different questions that come in, but we do like to start with some sport ones, of course, and some Canucks ones. And um, we save this discussion and until this point because there was a bit of a nugget from Frank Singer mm-hmm, Valley mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. the DFO Rundown podcast about Thatcher Demko. So, here's a question from J-Bo Vancouver. Sarah Valley has come out and said he spoke with a league executive who said he would trade Demko now, referring to him as another Corey Schneider with future hip issues. Should this be a major concern? Well, to give you the full context of it, here is what Frank Sarah Valley said about what a league executive told him regarding the one and only Thatcher Demko. I had a, a league executive I was talking to in, in deep conversation and it'd be fun to just bat around the idea. He was like, I would trade Thatcher Demko right now. What? What? And I was like, huh? I almost fell off my chair, Jay. I almost fell off my chair. I was like, Thatcher Demko, he's one of the best goalies in the league, let alone being at his age and locked up for four more years at five million bucks. Like he's perfect. Uh-huh. Uh, there seemed to be some thought that they they were like, I don't know if his body's going to be able to keep up. He's had some hip issues already, mm. and they he said, watch out for that. Okay. He's going to be the next Corey Schneider is what I was told. So, um, and the funny thing is I've seen that quote go around because, you yeah. know, people on Connect Twitter have quoted it, and I'm seeing people around the league, and people quote it and stuff like that, and I saw Jonathan Bates, former Connect scout, react to that quote and saying, that person shouldn't be in charge as an executive <laughs> if that's the conclusion. Um, listen, people have takes, hot takes, and all that sort of stuff. If if you believe there's a hip issue coming, I can understand yeah. the um, opinion or the take on it. I wonder where the hip issue concern is coming from because, okay, Thatcher Demko had surgery on both his hips. This is when he came out of college early on when the Canucks drafted him. The reason he did it, though, wasn't because he was in a lot of pain. It was actually to get ahead of things. Yes. Yeah, there's some stuff going on, but it was about getting ahead of things and making him a bit more flexible and having less discomfort and hopefully having him be healthier longer. It was almost like um, you see in baseball a lot yeah. these days where a young, you know, 20, 21-year-old pitcher will have Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Right? They're still in the minors. Okay, I'm going to take a year off, rehab. Because I'm having it so young, I'll actually come back even stronger. It had a little bit of a fe- of that sort of feel to it. And, you know, I'm not a, a goalie health or goalie surgery expert, but my understanding is the procedures that Thatcher Demko had done, pretty common, actually, yes. for NHL goalies around the league. So just because he had those surgeries done, I don't think you can extrapolate that to, oh, his body's going to give out on him. No, and listen, I, we're not doctors. I'm not going to pretend to know. And, hey, if this executive has some medical information nobody else does, power to him. Uh-huh. I don't buy it. But regardless... The point being, there is no real hip issue as we know with no. Thatcher Demko. Now, could that come up at some point? Perhaps. But the surgery he had, 
I don't at, at no point. I talked to a lot of people about it during the time. There was no concern about long term issues. If anything, they they liked the idea of him doing getting it ahead of it, right? Yeah, yeah. we uh, we played that clip earlier on Canucks Hour with Drance and myself, and we got a lot of people texting in saying that league exec was probably just Ken Holland <laughs> try, trying to pry <laughs> Thatcher Demko loose. Yeah, uh, most likely that's what it is. All right, uh, let's keep things moving here on the Friday mailbag. Puck, what you've heard says, why are you are you so distracted by total money? I responded on Twitter. I mean, it, it's only the thing. It's it's just what matters the most to players and agents. Yeah, but it's just. I mean, just put yourself in a contract negotiation. Yeah. Like, what are you going to think about? You're going to think about how much money you get. <laughs> That's a pretty important detail when but, you're negotiating a contract. I mean, a, a, hey, listen, AAV is not the end all be all. Yeah, sure, we'll give you 11 million for two years. It's like, sure. I mean, I want more than a two year contract. I yeah. want more than a three year contract. And the point being about total money that I always want to make here is this is JT Miller's chance to sign a big contract. And anytime a player hits free agency or has a chance to sign a massive contract, that's going to take up a lot of term. What the agents look at, whether you like it or not, it's purely total money. And especially for guys that are hitting the 30s. For, yep. So for JT, it's not necessarily about AAV or length and term. Yeah, those things matter. It's about how much money you're giving him total. And the problem here is he may accept 60 and maybe the number doesn't look too bad if you go eight years, but does Vancouver want to go eight yeah. years? So yeah. the question here always comes down to total money. The calculation for you know a 23-year-old RFA might be very different, right? Then it might total yes. money might not actually be the most important thing because you're setting yourself up to uh, you know potentially hit a bigger payday down the road. That's not the situation JT Miller is in, right? This is his payday. This is his chance to secure the bag, and that's why total money is so important. Yeah, that's why you know the whole notion of a three or four year deal, even at eight or nine million, it's not going to fly. No, you know, four years, eleven million, even that's only that's forty four million <laughs> only. It's a lot of money, I, I know, but, but yes, you know but yes, what I mean. I know right? exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you're still talking about, right? And and even even people that say, hey, well, pay him longer term, but less AAV. It's like six and a half million. It's like well, six and a half million over eight years. It's like 40-some million. It's not going to cut it. That's not going to be enough. That's why we always drive home the point about total money when it comes to JT Miller. Ball Hockey Beret. Is Columbus a known or unknown team? The JT Miller sweepstakes. Who does Alvin pick at sixth overall? Juracek or Nemec or other? (laughs) Columbus is, what would you call them, like a... (laughs) A known unknown. Like, yeah. we think they're there, but we don't know you for sound like, sure. You sound like Donald, Donald Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld. I know. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> there are known knowns and yeah. unknown knowns. Excuse Wait, me? <laughs> I don't know. I, I The Columbus thing, I know we've kicked it around a little bit this week. I definitely think it's interesting to consider why they might be uh, hot on JT Miller. You know, we were talking about it off air as well. Rick Nash, former mm-hmm. teammate for several seasons with the New York Rangers yep. of JT Miller, is now uh, prominent in the front office of the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's kind of an interesting connection to make. So, I mean, that's just pure speculation and, you know, drawing connections beto- between the uh, situations on my part. But I could see it. I-, I think there's a lot of plausible reasons why they might be interested. Let me put it this way. I believe there is another team that we don't know that has interest. I don't think that's just Columbus. And the reason I said just Columbus, because I do think Columbus is a team to watch. And I mentioned that earlier this week, and that's what I'll say. But even then I said, there's still, I still believe there's more. I think there's more than just one yeah. team that has real interest in them and one team that we haven't heard. Columbus is a team I, I keep an eye on, but there could be something else as well in addition. The, the other team is the unknown unknown. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, and as to the question of uh, who do they take if they get that six overall 
from Columbus, you know, we've talked about it. It's got to be one of the, the two big defensemen. Is Zirichik right? or Nemich? Yeah. It's going to be one of those two guys. And I, and I don't know well enough. I can't, I can't sit here and tell you with enough authority which one it would be. Sure. I mean, hey, I'll maybe never know. But like right now, I don't have a good handle on which one it would be. I would believe if the Canucks get into the top six and one of those guys is available, that's the guy they take. Uh, Chris asks, does Pearson have trade value around the league or would Vancouver need to sweeten the pot to offload the remaining two, year, two years left on his contract? I think he has value. Uh, you know, and the example I would come back to, and it's a very different situation and there's a bunch of caveats, but the Canucks moved Travis Hamanick without sweetening the deal. Yeah. Right? They got an asset back. They got a decent asset back. They got a third round pick. Back for Travis Hamanick. Now, yeah. it was the remainder of that year's deal, plus one more for Travis Hamanick. That's not too different uh, than two more years on Tanner Pearson. And look, you can say, well, that's the Ottawa Senators, but it only takes one team to, to make that deal. So if you can move Travis Hamanick without sweetening it and getting an asset back, you can 100% move Tanner Pearson without adding assets well, to no, it. You could. And I think you can move Tanner Pearson. Um you're just not getting maybe a ton back for him now. And this is something we mentioned before, but I'll reiterate the point. In a year's time, Tanner Pearson is going to be a pending UFA. <laughs> at that point, Tanner Pearson is going to have value at the deadline. You're getting at least a second round pick, maybe something else. You're getting something decent at the deadline. You may not get that value today, but you may, may get that in a year's time. So if you're punting on that value now, what's the reason you're doing it for? Cap space, yes, but... What are you using that cap yeah. space for? And I think those are the things that have to align for something like that to happen. Yeah, I but, guess would be. but ultimately, I don't think you're ever in a situation, as things currently stand, where you have to, you feel like you have to put an asset with Tanner Pearson just to move the contract. No, you know, there's I, going to be value yes, there at some point. I, I believe so, at the very least. Uh, let's keep things going here on the Friday mailbag. Chris Lee, how feasible is it to actually trade Myers and without retaining? So, okay, I'll say this. Now, retaining, I don't think you have to retain a lot. I think, and Sarah Valley mentioned this too, and we've talked about this for a long time. I think it's minimal, maybe a million yeah. or so. So you're talking about one out of six million you, that you keep. Is there a world where you can trade him and not take anything back at all? I think there is, but it's probably like you're getting nothing back at all. Yeah, you're not getting a whole ton. And I think that's another one that developed very similar to Tanner Pearson the outlook now might be one thing, but the outlook certainly next summer when all of a sudden it's just one year is mm. different. I would even say at this year's deadline, right? Yep. Where if a team, because they've been able to toll cap space, right, they're able to absorb that salary going into the playoffs and then they look ahead and say, you know what, we can fit them in next year as well. You know, people get, people, <laughs> people got to want to say desperate, right? Because he's, he's a valuable player, but people are always more motivated to make those sorts of moves at the deadline. So again, I think T Tyler Myers is the type of player whose value could go up over the next you know, year, 18 months, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Darren Tucker asks, if the Canucks can clear cap space in other places, Myers, Pearson, Dickinson, Pullman, is there any chance of re-signing JT and Bo? Um, I mean, I think log logistically, yes, but I don't think the number for JT or necessarily even to a lesser extent, the number for Bo is, is tied to just cap space. I think it's tied to, does this make sense for us long term? Yeah. Cause ultimately you can get through two more years of Pearson and Dickinson. You can get to two, through two more years of Tyler Myers. Mm -hmm. The money for Bo and JT doesn't kick until next year. Like, you can kick that can down the road and worry about the money next year and figure it out. So I don't think necessarily moving those guys and keeping JT and Bo is necessarily related. If you really wanted to keep both, you could, you pay him a lot of money. I think for JT, it just simply comes down to the money calculus. I think it also just comes down to how much do you want to 
double down on this version of the team, right? Yeah. Because if you re-sign both of those guys to long-term extensions, and you keep Besser, yeah, and you keep Besser, right? That's kind of what you're doing. You know, yeah. you, you're you capped out. And look, maybe that's a a reasonable decision. They played really well under Bruce Boudreau, but. As you said, that's the bigger question to me. There's absolutely a scenario where they could re-sign both of them, but it really would mean doubling down on this version of the team. Listen, I'm not saying Vancouver has to become the next Tampa Bay Lightning overnight. And, you know, of course you want to aspire to be them, but they might be a dynasty. They might win three in a row. I mean, it's it's a ridiculous bar, right? But just to illuminate why you pay your big, which big, big name players you got to pay. So they have Kucherov, Braden Point, and Stamkos. Hedman and Vasilevsky. That's five players making north of seven point eight million mm-hmm. and under ten million. Okay, those are the five guys that they have. Vancouver has a bargain in Demko, which helps you massively. But if you double down on JT for a contract worth eight million plus and Bo a contract worth seven million plus, and you end up paying Pedersen say ten million, mm-hmm. you're talking about OEL, Pedersen, Hughes. Hughes. Uh, uh, Horvat, uh, Horvat, and Miller. JT Miller. These yeah. five players accounting for over forty million in salary cap space. Yeah. So compare that group of players, those five guys that are getting paid that big money, to the five guys that Tampa's paying. So that's my question: Is that feasible for you to pay those guys that much, and then them being good enough to carry the rest of your team? And yeah. you filling the rest of the pieces. That's the that's the question they have to answer. Yeah. Even if you have the space, is that the path you want to take? Yeah. Right. That's going to be the big question. Uh, Cape City Nuck, does Rathbone crack the lineup this year? It's honestly going to be tough. You just look at the left side, and as much as we talk about, you know, how much they need to improve the blue line, which they do, the left side looks pretty decent, right? We all know about Quinn Hughes. OEL had a really strong season. Uh, Travis Dermott, I thought, played very well after he joined the team. You know, Brad Hunt, we'll see if he's back or not, but that's another depth piece on the left side, I think the best path for Jack Rathbone making the team is if they decide to play one of Hughes, OEL, and or Dermot on the right side. Yeah. Because I'll, absent that, he's pretty clearly behind the depth chart of all those guys. I mean, one thing that could solve everything, and this kind of, I think, hints towards how difficult it is to solve your right-hand defenseman problem long-term this offseason, as far as a guy stepping in right away. And I think that if the Canucks ultimately make a trade, we hear the Marino stuff, I'm not sure you're going to pull that stuff off. I don't yeah. know if I see the fit with Pittsburgh. The most likely avenue, and we hinted at you know this uh, a bit earlier when we had the discussion. So when I look at the right-hand defenseman in the league, 137 players. We saw 137 right-shooting defensemen play at least one game in the NHL last year. 208 left-shooting defensemen played at least one game in the NHL last year. It just shows you yeah. how big of a gap there is between the level of players available on the left side yeah. and the right side. So the most likely, likely avenue for the Canucks to address it long-term is either trading up and somehow getting into the top five or six and getting Nemetri Jiracek, which we talked about, which is still hard to do, or you're getting a prospect back in return for the players you trade. We mm-hmm. mentioned Braden Schneider, probably not getting traded, but Niels Lundqvist, etc. These types of right-handed defensemen, they may be a year away. They might play right away. Schneider would be, Lundqvist might, but maybe somebody else might be a year away. So because of that, you still have a gap on your right side. And if you want Rathbone to play next year, you, like you mentioned, you have to play OEL on the right side. And like Drance has mentioned, that's something the team's going to test out and see if they can do that. And if they do, all of a sudden that opens up a spot for Rathbone. Yeah. But if OEL has to play on the left side 
and so does Quinn Hughes, obviously, then I'm not sure next season, when you especially need so much help on the PK on the left side, that he would crack the team. Yeah. I think something would have to shift for him to crack the team. Dermot would be the other option to try out on the right side in some role. But yeah, you're right. If it's OEL and that's a fit and that works, that really changes the outlook. Because then a top four spot opens up on the left side. Which is huge. Yeah. yeah. And now, could Rathbone grow into that? You know what I mean? Could Dermot potentially? I'm not sure yeah. on Dermot doing it, to be honest with you, but I could see Rathbone over time mention it. Well, you know, and if you go to, so? you know, OEL on the right side, let's say you partner him with Quinn Hughes, then all of a sudden you have, you know, could you kind of replicate the Quinn Hughes Luke Shen pairing, but with Jack Rathbone, right? Because yes. you know Luke Shen can complement that type of player. It just gives you a ton of different options to try. Yeah. Uh, no question about that. Um, Quick little mention on the text inbox. This person texted in, unsigned. Total money means nothing. It's all about AAV multiplied by the term, which equals total money. I couldn't tell if that was a joke or not. I did think that was very funny. I, I hope it's a joke. I was like, I'm not, I'm not sure about that one. It's all about AAV multiplied by the term. Yes, which leads That's you the to total money. the sum total. Very good. <laughs> Math class is in session and has come to an end. Usually it's Italian class on Canuck Central. Today right. we are doing math class on Canuck Central. All right, Aiden Moore, uh, who are some UFA role players that Canucks might look at in free agency to fill some holes? Do you have anybody in mind, Jamie? UFA is uh, is an interesting spin on it. I'd have to kind of dive in to really take a look. The one thing I will say, I'm not crazy about the... Um, the defense crop yeah. this year. There are some interesting uh, names farther down the list at forward, like Colin Blackwell, who went to uh, yep. the Leafs. You know, they might not be able to re-sign him, but I think he could be an interesting option in a bottom six role. I, I like the options at forward a lot more than I do in the blue line. Yeah, I think Zach Aston reese is a guy to keep an eye on. Noel Achari is another guy, potentially. I mean, depending on what the ask is going to be, but if it's cheap to come in and play a role. I mean, those types of guys I can see. I mean... I'm not sure if we're going to see them sign um, a big name free agent that comes with any of that. Like I don't, I don't see that happening. But I think that that veteran type of player that we talked about that they're going to look to add that may not be available if you're in free agency. Yeah, I don't. But think- it, it is available for you via trade more more, more I- than likely. But those types of guys. Yeah, I don't think they're going to take a run at, you know, a big name no. free agent or anything like that. But as I said, you know, a guy like uh, Colin Blackwell could be interesting. The, the, maybe like the highest up the free agent depth chart I'd be willing to think about. I really like Ricard Raquel. I'm not sure if he would be, come back to Pittsburgh. But even that, I think probably too expensive for what the Canucks are going to do uh, this offseason. Well, even like the righty defensemen, um, they just end up getting paid. Like you can look at it and say, hey, you know what? You know who's interesting to me? Jan Ruda. Like if it's cheap. But it's like. He's on Tampa. Get paid. Yeah. Someone's going to pay him like that, $2 million. The Tampa Bay Lightning shine, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you saw that with, I mean, the guy like Pullman. Now, Pullman got really, you know, a lot of money, but most of the right-hand guys got like a million and a half, two million, you know, unless you go with guys like Troy Stetcher. But that's kind of, you know, the types of guys I look at. Zach Aston Reese, another one to keep an eye on. I've mentioned uh, Chase Prisky in the past. I keep an eye on him as well. I think those are some guys that you could take a bit of a run at in free agency. Uh, keeping things moving on the uh, mailbag. Maziar, is Quinn Hughes a top five defenseman in NHL value-wise? Is he currently? I mean, just trying to add it up, right? I mean, the big two is Kale McCarr and, and Victor Hedman. You know, Victor Hedman, is not, he's not even making over $8 million, right? I mean, when you look at what he provides for, for Tampa, that's extraordinary value. I would say probably right now he's on the outside looking in, but it seems like a spot where he could get to pretty easily in the coming years. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I can see that as well. Um, 
Let's hit a couple quick ones here. This one from Silver and Black Canuck on her text inbox. Mailbag question stemming from my last my question last week. What are three NFL teams that should make the playoffs this year but won't? And what two teams would you like to see in the Super Bowl this year, not including your personal favorite team? So what what three teams do you think will make the playoffs? Or won't make the playoffs, playoffs. that should. Yes. Hmm. That's tough because you you know, you have to consider who you know, who who is technically in line. I, I would look at Dallas to potentially underperform. Um that's the one that kind of jumps off. I mean, your Browns. <laughs> I don't know if they're in the yeah, should well, category, yeah. given everything that's happening with them, but yeah. that, that's another one that jumps out it's to mind. It's problematic. I mean, you know, I wonder about Tennessee Titans. I mentioned them last week. That's a team, you know, I don't think is going to make the playoffs. What two teams would I like to see in the Super Bowl this year? Ooh, I'd love to see the L.A. Chargers. Sure. Because, I mean, who doesn't want to watch Justin Herbert? Probably. Yeah, yeah. And then in the, a- in the NFC... Is anybody likable in the I AFC? I was going to say, there's no... Because the, guy, like the, the team I was going to see from the AFC was Buffalo. Just yeah. because they are they are exciting. You yeah, know, Josh Allen is fun pick, to watch. But I like the Chargers. Sure, I get that. But, you know, you're always you're always ready to be disappointed by the Chargers <laughs> set. But yeah, there's no there's no team that jumps out to me in the NFC. It was, oh, wow, it would be really fun you know to what? see that team take you know what? Uh, you know what? What, what I would like to see, actually, is, ta- is uh, Tom Brady again. Why That's not? fair. Tamp. I mean, I mean, do, we, do you want to see Dallas go to the Super Bowl? No. You know, like Green Bay, is that who do you want to see? Tampa, the Rams, I don't want to see that again. Cardinals, eh. Yeah, I'd say Tampa to see Tom Brady in another Super Bowl. I'd say Tampa and Chargers. Yeah, I'll go Buffalo and Tampa. That's not bad. That's all right. Should we wrap up? We can squeeze in a couple more. I I don't like ending the mailbag too soon. It's like, you know, when you're... Let's, you're let's, out having a few drinks, well, I mean, and you're supposed, to, you're supposed to leave, and it's like midnight, and you're like, you know what? i got to stay until one, one more, tonight. One more. Twist my arm. Yeah, no, we can do some more. All right. Uh, Jim asks, have you been to Europe? I have been to Europe. Okay. Yes. What is your favorite European city? Uh, so for me, I'm going to say Berlin. Um, before Way back before we had kids, my wife and I did like three weeks uh, in Berlin once. It was awesome. Loved it. Great food, great culture, museums, whole mm. thing. So... I'll go with Berlin. Berlin. Berlin's not a bad choice. Um, what would I say? You know what? Uh, London. Yeah. London's I, fun. I went to London as a kid, so I can't really speak I, I to it. I would to love Bar- to go back, though. I haven't been to Barcelona. I haven't been to yeah. Italy, so I can't pretend. So Bar- I don't know. Barcelona would be number two on my list. I actually had a lot of fun in London. London's fun. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I got to see uh, Barcelona play in like 2007, 2008 with like Messi, Ronaldinho. So that was pretty cool. So Barcelona's high on my list. Yes. Uh, Final question from your wife's son. Do you think Luongo should have his jersey retired? Woo! Ending on a spicy one. Yeah. Man, that is such a difficult question. I don't know. I don't want to cop out here. I think I would lean towards no, but that's not a, so much of a slight against Longo as it is I'm in favor of keep trying to keep the standard really high. Yeah. I'd say yes, of course. Of course. Yeah, of course. Not even a hard decision for you. No, it's not. I mean, I don't think it is. Yeah. I mean, if, if you look at the guys who have had their jerseys retired. Yeah. And you look at what Luongo did. Ryan Miller's getting his jersey retired at Buffalo. Right. Who had a better career? 
Ryan Miller had a better career than Roberto Luongo? No, I don't think so. No. That's what I'm saying. Know. Like, I think no. Luongo had a better career. Oh, yeah. And, absolutely. You know what I mean? And now he's spent, like, I know Buffalo drafted him and all that sort of stuff, and he was the same Fair team. Enough. I get it. But, like, if you look at the numbers that have been retired in Vancouver, what Luongo did, yeah. He's at least two or three times better than whatever Kirk McLean did. Yes. And that's just being respectful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. And I'm There's a Kirk no McLean doubt. fan, but Luongo was way better in my view. There's no doubt. I don't know. It, to me, it's close. But I'm. I'm always kind of, you know, leaning towards keep the standard as high as possible. But you're right. Relative to the other numbers that are up there, he probably meets that bar. What if he we're does. sitting here 50 years from now and there's still no Stanley Cup batter? Well, I mean, it is what it is. As he, as he said. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that brings the end to the mailbag. Always fun. Thanks for all the questions. We appreciate them. Um, final. I'll answer one really quickly. Somebody asked about Brock Besser. Was Chris? Or no, sorry. Uh. Phil, I think somebody else has texted him. What, what, what will Besser get? I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again. Three-year deal, 6.15. That's 6. my guess. 6.15. 6.15. I'll, I'll go three years, 6.5. Okay. We'll see what happens. All right. That's the end of the mailbag. More, uh, appreciate everybody listening here on Canuck Central with Satyar Shaw and Jamie Dodd.